uh, need to grab some kind of extension cord because my computer has exactly an hour worth of of battery left. You are playing a dangerous game, Brindle. Yeah, that would be a dangerous game. So I'm, I need to grab an extension cord and then grab my charger and find, figure out some way to finagle because where we record uh, is far away from an outlet mm. because we're so high tech here. And Matt's recording this, and it's probably going to be the opener to the next episode, isn't it? I'm, I started recording on purpose. So I'll just say that. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to make sure we're capturing this. This is where it's at. These are the moments we live for. Because <laughs> you can't manufacture them. I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, okay. I'll, I'm okay with that. <laughs> I'm okay with being the, the butt monkey. All right. Well, hello. I'm Freddie. I'm Matt. I'm Ashley. I'm Jordan. And welcome to the Possible Spoilers podcast, where our combined powers of clairvoyance may or may not be enough to spoil the upcoming stories that you're looking forward to. And today, that story we're going to be talking about is the upcoming RPG adventure, The Outer Worlds. Um, A lot has been revealed and a lot hasn't been revealed about this game. But the basic premise of it is, The Outer Worlds is what would happen if Fallout and Borderlands had a baby and then launched that baby into space. (laughs) Where it met up with Nazi Little Republic. Exactly, yes. And Mass Effect. And Mass Effect. Throwing that in there. Absolutely. Pretty much every RPG that Obsidian's ever flew in and made the sequel to. <laughs> the sequel to. Yeah, pretty much. That's it, their MO. It looks really good. Um, my my first immediate concern, because it looks so good. I, I am such a sucker for these games. My first immediate concern is that I don't know if it will stand out in that field. So, like, mm-hmm. because I enjoyed Fallout 4 so much, because Borderlands 3 just came out and it's getting great reviews, like, I'm wondering if Outer Worlds can stand alone. Now, it has some, again, we're going to talk about this today. That's why we're here. We're talking about what it offers that's unique. But just right off the top of my head, that's my first piece of concern. Well, I can think it's, I can think it's stand alone because the two games you mentioned, Fallout 4, they've already said, do not see this as a Fallout clone. It's not similar True. to Fallout. It's its own thing. It's not open world. It's it's more broken up, like Borderlands. But Borderlands isn't our RPG per se as much as it's a looter shooter, and Outer Worlds isn't a looter shooter either. It's more of the way I'm seeing it right now is more of a spiritual successor to Nazi Republic, mm. um, but in the first person, true duty instead of strategy. That's interesting because the developers have went on record to say that this is meant to be like a throwback RPG, but in a in a more modern, like upscaled kind of way. So it sounds like that's kind of their core philosophy with it. They want it to be they want it to be Kotor esque. I think they want it to be more like the older Fallout games, Fallout Three, Fallout New Vegas. But they kind of want to like make that a bit more modern, maybe a bit more accessible. So yeah, I I think I think it's gonna. I think it's going to be more of the same from Obsidian, which is isn't a bad thing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been a while since we've seen. I mean, I guess Borderlands, if you count that, but since we've seen an RPG that's not an open world. Yeah. Which and, can I just say, as a as a as a fan of open world RPGs and traditional linear RPGs, I don't want every RPG to be open world because so many designers take that open world and it's too open. There's too much in between. It's too big. Sometimes an RPG benefits from it being more self-contained and being a bit tinier to navigate. 
Well, I like that word you used. You said there's so much in between. And yeah. from what I've read, I think that's exactly what Outer Worlds fixes because mm-hmm. it doesn't do anything in between. You get on your ship and you pick where you want to go. So the in between travel, that, you know, hop on your horse and ride for 20 minutes real time, I think that's gone. <laughs> like it's just so that, like you said, the in between stuff, they've removed it, they've made it better. Yeah. I mean, I'm going to say something. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Freddie. I cut you off last time. Uh, I was gonna, I was gonna fly off from what uh, Jordan or Matt was saying, and talk about how there are, like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, for example, is such a big world that there is an auto, like you can, uh, you can make your horse automatically ride to the next destination without your input at all. Mm. And I found myself. That's se- kind of like Breath of the Wild too. Yeah, I found myself setting my horse onto a particular destination and just getting my phone out and texting or looking at Reddit or something. Yeah. And you don't want that. Mm. I put 100 hours into Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and I don't know how many of those hours are actually me just browsing Reddit while my horse rides somewhere all on its own. (laughs) In Breath of the Wild, I know I'm going off subject but like the auto horse thing i think it's just so you can like look around and like look at the world or at least that's how i didn't feel like that world was too big but i think it's definitely just the bigger and bigger worlds do get a bit tedious yeah you know it's just not as fun to navigate when they're just so big it feels just kind of like real life traveling yeah, exactly, because, like, this world is big enough, like, real life. I have to travel. I have to drive. I have to commute. The, the video <laughs> games are about escapism. If I have to come home and commute, oh, my gosh, I'm going to throw my controller through the TV. Like, yeah. dude, you've missed the point while I'm here. <laughs> Simulator. <laughs> exactly. Oh, it's desert that? bus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, desert bus. <laughs> uh, the thing about Breath of the Wild and the reason why Breath of the Wild is good, even, if, even though it's so big you have to have, like, the horse thing, is because it's so curated. The world's handcrafted, um, and that's one thing that's pushed about the outer worlds as well, uh, is that the world's handcrafted, it's curated. There's, there, like, there, the places have a purpose, rather than some RPGs where there's places that have no purpose. There's no reason to be there. Yeah, and like I love Western RPGs, like, and and Bethesda games specifically feel fitting to talk about here because it's the same general concept. I think as as stuff that Obsidian has worked on before, like New Vegas. But, I mean, once you've played Skyrim or, or even Oblivion, some of the older ones, or Morrowind, like, a lot of that is just copy and paste, you know, expanses. And that gets tiresome to travel, you know, day in and day out. So, sometimes I think that smaller setting is, is beneficial. Yeah, how many dungeons have we been through in Oblivion? And Skyrim that have the same layout, the same traps, the same door with the blue tree on it. Mm-hmm. Todd Howard would like to know your location. Same set. <laughs> same Druger. Well, speaking of Todd Howard, how much of Outer Worlds is going to be a big middle finger to Todd Howard and Bethesda? I'm oh, so I glad you asked. About ninety-five percent. Yeah. I'm so glad you asked because here's 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 my here's my first prediction. Okay, my first thing is going to happen. Apparently, in there's some stealth mechanics to this, and there's going to be disguises, and so you can actually you have to use the disguise to you know find your way into these situations and get out of them. So this means that inevitably. And you can take this to the bank. One of your missions is going to be to dress up as Todd Howard and try to create Skyrim within the game. And tragically, <laughs> this is how your character dies. Others are going to find out about your mission and then hurl you into a trash compactor. And so that's one of the endings, actually, one of the official endings for the Outer Worlds. 
Todd Howard is actually a super boss in the Outer Worlds. That's an option, too. Yeah. <laughs> it turns out you can play Skyrim in Outer Worlds. Oh, God. <laughs> they have finally successfully ported Skyrim to another video game. <laughs> this is going to be Todd Howard long con. Like, he's actually secretly worked with Obsidian to get people to buy this brand new game, and then within it is going to be Skyrim. Hey, <laughs> you, you're awake. I mean, you're I'll awake. Lend to that. I'll lend credence to what you're saying because, I mean, do you think it's a coincidence that Fallout 4 comes out and it's about a guy who's been frozen for 200 years so he, and he comes out of the, the freezer? Hey, you, you're finally awake. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Exactly. And Outer Worlds is the same thing. If you don't know, the story of Outer Worlds is that you're a, a colonist on a ship of workers that are being sent to the Halcyon colony which has been bought and paid for by corporations. And your ship, you're cryogenically frozen on the ship, and it goes off course, and you're frozen for 70 years, and you get unfrozen. And, I mean, normally that would seem like a pretty cut-and-paste story, but right on the heels of Fallout 4, in the grand scheme of things, they had no comparisons would get made. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I think comparisons were going to be made anyways, because, like, just looking at gameplay of this, I, I think if you didn't tell people this was a standalone game this would almost look like a Fallout expansion pack in some ways. So I, I think those comparisons were going to happen one way or the other. So they're they're probably going to lean into that, too. I mean, Freddie, you, you were saying a couple of days ago, like, Obsidian is known as being, like, the guys who made the one really good Fallout game. So it makes sense that they would lean into that a little bit. That's going to be a large part of their player base. Yeah, because Obsidian made what a lot of people consider to be, like you said, the good Fallout game. So I wonder how Bethesda responds to that, you know? How how do they respond to the fact that we're known as the dudes who took Fallout and in a lot of people's eyes ruined it, and then Obsidian swooped in and made a really good Fallout game, and now they're making Outer Worlds, which looks so Fallout-esque, and and is being billed as the game from the guys who made New Vegas— like, on the heels, on the heels of Fallout 76. Hey, you know how they <laughs> respond to that? Todd Howard goes swimming in his pool full of coins, like Scrooge McDuck. <laughs> That's how he responds to that. Do you think he really cares? No, I mean, they they don't care, I think, from a business standpoint. But I think from an optic standpoint, I wonder, I wonder what Bethesda's next move is going to be with Fallout. Like, that IP as a, as a whole. Haven't you heard they're adding NPCs to Fallout 76? Oh boy. Let they're me let me get my credit card. <laughs> Which is apparently worthy of getting like crazy cheers at E3. That they paid for? I uh, question more. <laughs> there's there's theories. Yeah, actually bringing actually bringing this podcast into some controversial territory. Get your 10 cents, folks. <laughs> <laughs> there are theories that Bethesda paid those people at E3 to cheer. This oh. is not the podcast where we speculate on that. I don't the think. Illuminati. Tom <laughs> Howard is about to pull John Wick on us. <laughs> well, see, this this lends credence to my theory that actually Bethesda is paying a bunch of their employees to actually play as characters that look like NPCs in the game. They're not actually NPCs. That's too much work. They're <laughs> just paying employees to sit around on the, with controllers. That would be just like playing D&D all day, every day. <laughs> no, so if you have no. to stand around and say the same thing over and over? I'd do it. I, think, I, think <laughs> I mean, D&D yeah, I'm getting paid. I'm sorry, Jordan, what'd you say? I was just going to say, I think D&D is much more enjoyable than being the one random NPC in Fallout New 76. Like, That's true. Yeah. That does not sound fun That's at all. <laughs> got a hot take from Jordan tonight. 
Yeah. D&D Sorry. more fun than Outer Worlds. <laughs> no, D&D more fun than Fallout 76. <laughs> Fallout 76, I apologize. Outer Worlds actually looks kind of interesting at certain points. It really does. Oh, a glowing review from Jordan of Outer Worlds. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a review of a game that I haven't played yet, so That's take true. it what you will. I, for one, am excited for, for Outer Worlds because I, I'm with Matt where I'm an adult. I have a job, and I've got responsibilities. And so a 30-hour RPG sounds pretty good. Um, right. And I don't. And also, it's coming to Game Pass, so I don't have to buy it. Even better. <laughs> I can play it. Bragging on here. <laughs> well, I mean, you didn't have to flex that hard. Humble brag. I was trying to do a segue, guys. <laughs> <laughs> because I want to also talk about the relationship. Because the the relationship between Bethesda and and Obsidian, I think, is important because the game is very, very anti corporation. Uh, like I said, Halcyon, the Halcyon colony that you get sent to is made up of two planets, and they've both been bought and paid for by 10 corporations that refer to themselves collectively as the board. And the board are generally, it seems like right now they're the bad guys of the game. And and people in the game are very, very into corporations to the point where there's religions based around brand names. And So Apple. And part of me thinks, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And part of me thinks that uh, going up against, you, you know, coming off the heels of Fallout 4, the references to Fallout 4, it, it, it could be at least, at least partially, you know, whether it's directly or not, it's it's a it's a commentary on companies like Bethesda. Mm. But the funny thing about that is you'd also have to think it could be a commentary on companies like Microsoft, who partway through the development of this game bought Obsidian. <laughs> so Obsidian is now a first party Microsoft uh, developer. That's why the game's coming to Game Pass. Uh and there's also been talk that all future installments of the game will be Xbox exclusive because of this. Interesting. So it's interesting oh, wow. to have this kind of it, it's kind of interesting to have this anti-corporation message in a game that's currently embroiled in real world corporate discussions. That's like every 90s movie ever where the bad guy is a big corporate CEO but it's produced by a studio that is a corporation. Well, what we need are a bunch of spunky teenagers to take them down. Yeah. Yeah, a bunch of ragtag snowboarders to take down the, uh, <laughs> that's what take my, down the company. That's, that's to... what my playthrough of Outer Worlds is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I taking down the board. Taking Find me teenagers board. with attitude. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's as, uh, that's as valid a prediction as any. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Pretty, I think, I've heard this quote and it said, um, where I, can't, I do not know where it came from or anything like that, but it said the greatest trick the devil ever played was make was convincing people that he didn't exist. I think about that with corporations. What's the best trick for a corporation to do is to convince them that they also believe that corporations are bad. No, no, no. Listen, guys, we're one of the good ones. You don't have to worry about right. us. Yeah. We're they act like your friend. They exactly. Look at look at Wendy's on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Look at, look at Disney with pe- people are are chomping at the bit to have Spider Man returned to Disney, which you know they make better Spider Man movies, but that's people pretty much taking to the internet to argue that Disney should in fact own everything. <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. that Monopoly thing. We think that sounds like a good idea now that it's something I care about. 
Or like the Pepsi ad with Ken, uh, Kendall Jenner. Oh my gosh. Why did I... You fired off some synapses I had refused to fire off in a while. Because like, <laughs> I just blocked that from my memory. That stupid <laughs> ad. Oh my gosh. But I mean, I think that like um, Obsidian might have more experience with uh, like Bethesda and Microsoft as a company. But I think Outer Worlds could be, you know, it could be a com- uh, commentary on just corporations in general, you know, regardless whether it's Bethesda or the gaming industry or if it's something like Pepsi or just, you know, anything. Yeah, that's why I said whether directly or indirectly. If, right. if it's a commentary on corporations, it's a commentary on, on Microsoft or Bethesda or anything like mm-hmm. that. And I mean, it's it's dystopian, you know, it's science fiction, so that's going to be in there somewhere anyways. Like, every dystopian fantasy uh, starts off with some sort of, like, corrupt government or corporation. So, that just makes sense. But that, that also makes predicting the end of this game kind of difficult. Yeah. Because if the bad guys in the game, if the, if the antagonists are the board, a collection of corporations, how do you fight that as a character? How do you fight that as a character with a baseball bat or a gun or whatever? You know, that's that's an idea. That's a concept. Which kind of brings me to one of my, my, my first prediction about the actual end of the game. And that's Obsidian's go-to end for things like this. That their go-to twist ending. And the Fallout, when the first Fallout games that they made, because they made one and two, you know, when they were still BlackRock Studios. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also in New Vegas, is that the board that controls all 10 corporations is going to be headed up and at least like mostly controlled by some kind of all inclusive or all connected AI or alien or something like that. That is one big chunky boss that you can fight. Uh, Cause it makes me think about the mastermind and fallout one and two is just a big AI. That's kind of like mutated with a human. Right. Yeah. And the big bad guy in New Vegas, if you played a certain way, is is Mr. House, who is a half-dead corpse who's had his consciousness put into an AI. And you fight, you you know, you can kind of kind of shut him down, but he also has like Mr. Mr. Handyman or whatever, his robots at his has disposal. So that that's a very fightable. That's a very fightable enemy. After <laughs> guillotines, folks. Yeah. So but so yeah, I think I, I think that the board is going to be headed up by an AI or a robot or an alien or something that's very, very condensed and very condensed into a single entity that you can fight in a big chunky boss battle. Yeah, I agree because you, ta- they're taking some very idealistic things. But like you said, if I can't smash it across the face, then I really don't care. So I think yeah. they're going to condense these ideal, like these idealistic things, into a physical manifestation that I can then mm-hmm. beat across the face with a baseball bat because that's what we that, all want. Well, that comes into oh. my prediction. I'm sorry, Jordan. Were you going to say something? No, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, just my prediction that you eventually confront the board, um, the board members, which I don't know, are fifteen or so um, dudes in suits, and then they kind of. Um, they do some kind of acrobatics to like form into a big superhuman where they're just kind of standing on each other's shoulders, but they're still like all connected into like one big <laughs> person. And that's what you fight as the final boss. I love it. You find <laughs> the CEO Megazord. Yeah. Yeah. Basically <laughs> one big trench coat. Yeah. 
named Mr. Adult Man. It's <laughs> just like board members assemble. <laughs> like some bad Bollywood movie. They just roll into each other. <laughs> become this impenetrable yeah. force. Just Voltron together. <laughs> Dare to be oh, stupid man. plays in the background by Weird Al. Yes. I love that. Dare to be stupid played in the background. <laughs> that would actually be very fitting for this game, I feel. Like very self aware and yeah. kind of goofy. <laughs> That, that makes me think about the, the secret boss battle in Nier Automata. Uh, oh, yeah. You yeah. fight against the CEO of Platinum, I think. And a- a- after he beats you inevitably because he's super hard boss, he's like, of course you can save against me. I'm the most powerful being in the universe, a CEO. Automata is a size gaming company. Or alternatively, <laughs> you go to confront the board and you just find like that they're holograms or something because they actually live on a a safer planet or a moon or a space yacht. A space yacht. Or that they've been dead maybe for this entire time. Like maybe their AI consciousness like uploaded. Uh, Maybe they don't really exist. I've been wrestling with the idea of why why the seventy year gap at the beginning of the story. Narratively, why did they write that into the story that you've been frozen for seventy years? It's a very specific number. Yeah, I, I think it just takes a long time to get for planetary travel. The story of the game is that your ship went off course. You weren't supposed to be frozen that long. Oh. In fact, it's a miracle that you're you're even alive at the beginning of the game. Mm-hmm. So it, if they wanted to write that gap in the story, it could be something like what Jordan said, that uh, they are actually, the CEOs are actually long gone, and capitalism has just kind of uh, got its own legs and rolls on without them. Because one story beat of the game is that the NPCs, they believe in their corporations so much that they will they will plug their brands in everyday conversation with you. And they're not even, they're just low-level workers for the company. They're not getting paid to do that. They'll just do it because they believe in their corporation. So what I'm hearing is that there's going to be an NPC that walks up to me and says, yes, we've been trying to contact you about your car's extended warranty. <laughs> This comes back to my commuting idea. I will throw the controller through the TV. <laughs> on, yes. on that note, I don't want to change focus too much. They have said that you in this game, you can play a complete psychopath if you want to. And you can complete yes. the game with like a high, like complete murder playthrough. Like if a character came up and wants to talk to me about my extended warranty, yeah, that's probably... <laughs> <laughs> gonna end with like some some gunfire. Yeah, Ooh, that's <laughs> right. Favorite thing about that exchange is that Matt mentioned that phone call, and the first thing that came to Jordan's mind was murder. Yeah. <laughs> you can also you want a, a complete pacifist, though. I yeah. feel like that even if you're playing as the pacifist, that one person to come up to you to talk about your warranty, <laughs> that'd be your one kill in the whole game. Well, Forgive see, me, Master. Every, I have to go out all, all out just once. Every pacifist playthrough has to confront that. Like the point of the game where you're like, "Oh man, like am I am I committing to this pacifist run or not?" Yeah, and there's always going to be somebody it. that you really want to kill. Yeah, you get to the cloud district very often. Oh, who am I kidding? Of course you don't. <laughs> I Insert ain't kill him here. <laughs> Nazim. <laughs> Just how many Skyrim references can we put in this podcast? <laughs> a lot, if I have anything to say about it. <laughs> oh, those words are burned into my head forever. <laughs> and there it is, friends. 
Never should have come here. <laughs> Never should have come here. <laughs> Our very lives? <laughs> well, I'm off track. Aren't we all? I'm just thinking so, about Skyrim quotes. I want to talk about one mechanic that I've really liked. And it, I love the uh, like what this could mean. Uh, actually, actually two. So we'll, I'll just kind of we'll throw these out here and we'll talk about them together. But first, I love the idea that companions can abandon you. So unlike yeah. Lydia from Skyrim, who I mean, let's be honest, went up, went like put up with a just a absolute ton of your crap. <laughs> this companion can say, "I am done." I like that. I like that a lot. That feels very Dragon Age, actually, because Dragon Age has a similar mechanic where you have to like babysit your companions to make them like you. Mm. There's loyalty missions too, like in Mass Effect. Oh yeah. yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah, in Mass Effect, to get the best ending, you have you probably have to have everybody loyal to you, which means you have to do all their loyalty missions, and those are not a world as well. But I have heard that you can't romance uh, your companions. So I mean, this game is literally unplayable. <laughs> Zero out of ten. Paramore achievement. If there's no paramore achievement, (laughs) (laughs) unsubscribed. Um. Yeah. Cancel your pre-orders now. (laughs) No more. Unless you're getting the game on Game Pass, like me. (laughs) (laughs) In that case, cancel your Game Pass. I I literally can't do that. (laughs) Do it anyway. It's capitalism. It's capitalism. (laughs) Playing right into their hands. Uh, an, an interesting thing that I don't know if we've talked about yet is, like, apparently you can pick your own debuffs. Like, you can give yourself or choose to give yourself, um, like, oh, how do, how do they describe it? Like, I think um, they call it flaws. Flaws, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I was going to talk about that one, too. Yeah, like, that. that I like that, because I don't know if I've seen that in an RPG yet, or at least one that I've played recently. I can't remember a mechanic like that. Where you can just make yourself objectively worse for a specific encounter. Yeah. Like, the way, uh, like, the video we watched described it was, like, if you get killed by, like, 20 times by robots, you might develop a phobia of robots. And then you have some kind of debuff when you're around them. Which I'm like, okay, if I'm really bad at fighting robots, why would I want to be worse at fighting robots. Well, because you you take a uh, you take it in exchange for a skill point, so you get to basically level up an extra level up for taking the flaw. Hmm. So you get to be better in general, but worse at for, for this particular thing. Yeah, which just See, tells I... you that it's absolutely going to be like videos online about how to best min max your character. Oh my yeah. gosh! Yeah. What flaws did you try to grind out so you can have the best character? See, this actually sounds a little bit like Darkest Dungeon. Like, it has a similar idea where your character, like, loses morale and, like, gets these, like, horrible, like, stat debuffs at certain times. I like that from an RPG standpoint. Because, like, that feels very roleplay-esque. Like, yes, my character would be afraid of this specific thing. So yeah. I like that. Like, I, I feel like that's kind of innovative. In yeah, the, I, the genre. I find it interesting. I guess I was just yeah. trying to wrap my head around, like, how it would work, like... And would I really be screwing myself over if I was if I sucked at finding a certain enemy and then <laughs> make myself worse at it? Um, but I do think it's an interesting concept. It's good that it's optional. Yeah, yeah, it, it is yeah. optional if you do not want to play with it. But it does kind of make me think that a theme of this game is that being frozen for seventy years has made your character kind of messed up in in the head a little bit. Makes uh, sense. 
And because that's always something I thought about Fallout 4, too, because you're frozen for 200 years. Your dude comes out and he is very nonplussed <laughs> about <laughs> the fact that everyone bothered. he's ever known, everyone that he's ever loved is dead. <laughs> Unless you play the game like I did, where you you cuss out and try to rob the first lady you come across. Because <laughs> I, I did not know that that option would make my guy immediately point a gun at this lady and say, give me all your money. <laughs> but what's, what's great about the Outer Worlds, it seems, is that is they built that into the game. Because based on the trailers and things, this can be kind of a theme that your character is kind of unhinged a little bit. So it, it would make the choice, the decisions, make more sense that they don't always make sense. I think they slightly implied that, like, every single person in the game is slightly unhinged. Like, one of the trailers I remember was talking about the fact that, like, everyone who works for this specific company, like, they only take kind of, like, dumb people, essentially. Or, like, people who who aren't fit for, like, regular work. So, it's basically an entire space colony full of, like, morons and crazy people. And there is a, there is a cult. There is a cult around, around one brand, I think. Like, like people literally worship one brand. One brand to rule them all. Yeah, exactly. It's probably Apple. Uh, <laughs> it's got to be Apple. You didn't even think about the fact that there is a dumb playthrough is possible in this game. If you bottom out your intelligence, it changes the game entirely, apparently. That sounds hilarious. Like, your dialogue options are different. You can try to sound smarter than you actually are, but you'll usually probably fail. Uh, you... you try to bash things instead of hacking a computer you might try to bash it instead because you're just a, a, a barbarian yeah that's <laughs> old rpgs oh there's there's like options that. like that in new vegas oh yeah uh and, and other rpgs too yeah i i've heard that there's one catastrophic decision you can make at the end of the game uh there's one way that the worst possible ending and we, we need to get into this by the way the fact that there's multiple endings to this game but the worst possible ending of the game is is if you're doing a dumb playthrough, you can you can make it happen. You can and, make a, a catastrophic ending. Yeah, they said yeah. They said that there's one catastrophic decision you can make at the end of the game that leads to the worst possible ending. But you can only do it if you're really dumb. You set Todd Howard free. <laughs> you let him out of his cage. <laughs> you let him out. It's like, oh no. Then the game starts glitching so much that it's unplayable. <laughs> and then it goes black. And then you wake up in the back of a horse wagon. <laughs> hey, you're awake. The full Skyrim experience is loaded on the disc. Yeah, it's just Todd Howard standing in front of White Run, and he's just reproducing endlessly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Todd Howard shall be all and see all. We didn't. There know has it. to be a mod. <laughs> there has to be a mod for Todd Howard exists in Skyrim, right? Surely. <laughs> We didn't know what we were doing when we let him drop that F-bomb on the stage at E3. We <laughs> started a chain reaction we couldn't possibly have predicted. <laughs> this is the worst timeline. <laughs> but as I said, there will also be multiple endings into this game. Uh, so that's kind of a goldmine for this particular show. Oh, absolutely. Uh, for I will say that I don't like one thing they're doing. There's going to be multiple endings, you know, usual like like bad ones and good ones. Uh, there's also going to be a lot of endings depending on like what side quests you choose to do. 
Uh, I don't know if you played New Vegas, but they say it's going to be similar to that. Mm. Where to get to New Vegas, uh, you get kind of a slideshow. And the slideshow tells you how things ended up for each individual side quest you've done or not done. Uh, and the slideshow, of course, is different depending on what you've done throughout the game. Interesting. Right? I'm going to give you a prediction, not about the game's ending, but about how my particular ending's going to go. Oh, yes, let's hear it. Because it's how it always goes when I play these kinds of games with these kinds of slideshows. The endings, I'm, I'm going to work really hard to get the best possible ending. Uh, and I'll tell you what that might be uh, before the show is over. But, and the slideshow's going to look good. Everybody's going to have, like, a good ending. And then some dude I've never seen before is going to pop up on this slideshow. And Ron Perlman's going to say, and then Bobo wandered off into the sunset and died because nobody cured his terminal illness. <laughs> and I'm going to be like, who the b- is Bobo? <laughs> I never saw this guy. I couldn't it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Man, it's, it's so true, Passed up and missed. <laughs> Bobo. Because <laughs> that's exactly what happened in New Vegas. Uh, like Ron Perlman got on to me for not helping this dude believe in himself. He <laughs> <laughs> me for not helping this super mutant uh, find her kids or grandkids or something. <laughs> Grandbabies. And, yeah. And I was like, I never even saw most of this stuff. Ron Perlman, cut me a break. <laughs> Go on it, Hellboy. <laughs> oh, man. Mm-hmm. And they could go the um, Coder 2 route where you uh, defeat the board member and he's still alive. And he's like, wait, before I die, I will tell you what happens to all your companions because I can just do that. I have the force, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> They can do that thing. And then it's just a dialogue of, well, this person actually loves you, but they won't ever tell you, or something like that. Like, how do you know that, Darth Nihilus? <laughs> Darth Nihilus. Is that not his name? No, it's Kreia that tells you all the stuff at the oh. end. <laughs> Darth Nihilus can, can't talk, or oh. not English, I guess. Shows what I know. <laughs> My version's better where Darth Nihilus tells you all that stuff. Yeah, you can't understand any of it because it just sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> I just have a feeling Darth Nihilus, telling, Darth Nihilus is telling me something really important right now. <laughs> He's trying to speak to me. I know it. Can tell. <laughs> Romantic music plays in the background. <laughs> uh, one one thing that I want to jump on here, like the the idea of multiple endings, intrigues me. The one thing that I don't want them to do is the random like. Here's a button to pick four different endings, similar to how Mass Effect 3 ended, or like mm. Deus Ex Human Revolution. That's what I don't want, because I don't like the the ending machine generator. So I'm hoping they avoid that in some oh, form or fashion. It's very obvious where the point of no return is. Yeah. Yeah, and then, then you're literally like just given a dialogue option, or it's like pick one of the four buttons, depending on which dialogue you think sounds the best and which ending sounds the best because those endings are always very boring and not fun gta 5 has the most egregious example of that really yeah towards the end of the game you literally get a text message and depending on how you respond is how the game ends 
And so it's literally like you can kill this character or kill this character or kill neither of them. And I don't understand why anybody would ever choose to do anything but kill neither character. It basically says, here's two bad endings and a good one. (laughs) (laughs) See, the the other option of that is here are four endings of, like, none of them matter, and they're all just ending generators, and, and none of them are either good or bad, they just are. And that's the most frustrating one for me. That's how Deus Ex Human Revolution ends. And it doesn't matter, because the next game isn't tied to either of those particular endings. So... They just made more work for themselves by writing out four potential endings as opposed to just one singular ending. And I think my problem with that, too, is that, like, it really tricks you into thinking you're making impactful decisions all along. Yeah, oh, this, and you're this not. is going to matter, and you're not. And this is the end. It's like, oh, man, look what it's all been leading up to. It's like, yeah, yeah. I still get to pick. Like, this doesn't actually make any difference. I think one good example of that, have you guys ever played the Walking Dead games from uh, Telltale? I've not. Uh, oh, cause of them, but I haven't played them. I've played Telltale games. Oh, because that is the Walking Dead has the epitome of this. So there's this one little girl that you have to like really protect and take care of in this apocalyptic zombie riddled wasteland, and her name is Clementine. And so anytime you do something, for a lot of it, it'd be like Clementine didn't like that. And let me tell you, there was not more emotional hurt that I felt in a video game than when Clementine did not like what I did, and it, <laughs> it really impacted how I played that game. And, <laughs> And so you think about this little girl, she's like, oh, I didn't like, like that makes me sad. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> let me reload and make that better. Uh. So, but those kind of impactful decisions, like when they're built in, man, it changes everything. But if yeah. it actually doesn't make a difference until the very end that I could not care less. Yeah. And even then it doesn't make sense because after the game is over, the writers either forget about it or they're never going to pick back up on it. Yeah, so. exactly. Yeah, and there's a chance for that in Outer Worlds because I think your companions do react to the things you do. Yeah, I think so. It goes back to that idea that they can leave you. I like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So they will, like, I don't think that there's no karma system, but they will judge you for things that you do. Hopefully they do it better than Fallout 4 did, where the flipping super mutant dislikes you every time you pick a lock. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And it's like, dude, I, I gotta pick a lock. Well, because in that game, there's the two options. It's like, okay, you can give Granny drugs or you can pick a lock. Which one of these things is worse? Oh, nope, they're the same. They're the same thing. (laughs) Well, there's no karma system in that game either. It all depends on who you have with you. So it's like, I got to pick a lock. Well, I'll just send the Super Mutant home. (laughs) Don't look at this. (laughs) Don't watch. Don't look. (laughs) Turn away. That that was similar with um, Divinity, where if... um, I think my uh, companion person in that game was sort of this, I think I gave them like a knight personality or a paladin personality. And I tried to recruit the rogue and he was like, no, we're not doing that. So I just um, changed uh, my control to him. I walked him away a few feet and then changed control back to my main character and then invited the rogue into my party so he couldn't see that I did that. And then the rogue was just in the party and there was nothing he could do about it. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Nothing you can do to fix this. I will say that I kind of... Uh, uh, I might alleviate your fears, though, about the ending generator. Because Obsidian is pretty good about not doing that. If okay. their game's finished. <laughs> if their game's finished, because Coder yeah. 2 is not finished. Yeah. Right? Uh, Obs- uh, New Vegas is arguably finished. But I will say that in New Vegas, it's very, very complex. Like, it is. Get your yeah. ending. 
to the point to where I actually recruited a bunch of people to my side and then turned on them towards the end. So I ended up having to fight all of them because I messed up. Because <laughs> uh, I, I, I convinced a lot of people in New Vegas to help me in the final battle. And then at the final battle, I decided to go for myself, the anarchist ending. And that made them all very mad at me. So I actually had several armies to fight by myself at the end of that game. <laughs> actually sounds fun. But the anarchy ending in New Vegas is actually inspiration for one of my predictions for, for uh, Outer Worlds. Because the, the anarchy ending of New Vegas is, in my opinion, the best ending. Because basically what happens is your character uh, is standing up against multiple armies, but mostly the Legion. And the Legion pulls a, you know, a you and what army. And then the smoke clears behind your character, and what's happened is you have hacked into basically the mainframe of all these robots. And so all these robots are your army, and there's thousands of them behind you, and they're all loyal to you. And so the Legion is basically like, oh, all right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Legionary. Uh, and I, I think Outer Worlds is going to have an ending like that, an ending where you're out for yourself, where you take on the corporations by yourself. And I think what's going to happen is that you're going to thaw out because the, the the story of the game is that you're trying to save your fellow passengers that are still frozen. You are the only one that's been thawed out so far. Uh, and I think there's going to be an ending where you're going to save them. You're going to you're going to thaw them out, and there's going to be a bad guy that pulls a you and what army, and you're going to have a revolution uh, pre-made at your disposal because you're going to thaw out all these people who will be loyal to you because you saved them. And also, they were being shipped to the Halcyon colony, we know, story-wise, as low-level labor, as janitors, menial labor. Like, janitors, um, general, not very traditionally uh, respected uh, people and, and occupations, you know. So I think you're going to thaw out a, a pre-made revolution, if that makes sense. Revolution. It's basically going to be like a hungry man revolution, you know. It's bombing the microwave. Revolution in less than 10 minutes. Just make sure to take it out halfway through and stir it up and put it back mm -hmm. in. <laughs> otherwise, it's just going to be like cold in the middle and it's not quite done. Yeah, otherwise, it's just going to be a decent Twitter following. A decent Twitter following. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I don't know about starting a revolution. I really need this job as a janitor. <laughs> I'm just here for <laughs> memes. That just makes me think that maybe one ending is that you become the incarnation of capitalism. So, like, you've been, you become, like, the richest, most powerful person yeah, in that's the was, galaxy. Uh, if we were talking about our own endings, I feel like that would probably be mine, where there's this pretense of a revolution or, or something going against the board, and then, like, once you actually um, get there, fight them or whatever, you, um, or take control of the corporations, like, instead of, um, dissolving them and uh redistributing the wealth it just an ending where your um character is like in the big seat with a cigar or something <laughs> <laughs> you become what you swore to destroy right <laughs> the camera the camera never goes into third person um and you again, see your character for the first time yeah you see your character for the first time <laughs> and your feet up on a desk a cigar in your hand you are todd howard <laughs> <laughs> That's that the origin story. That's his origin story. That's why he's here. That's why he's doing the things he does. That's why they're taking so many pains to cover up his face. 
Then he sits down at his computer, opens up a Word document, and just titles Skyrim up at the top. (laughs) Here we go. I already have a plan. You're awake. You can now play Skyrim as a hologram. Um, have we talked? Have you talked much about the catastrophic endings? I don't have any predictions about that at all. I don't know what you could possibly do there. I feel like um, one possibility because there's two planets, and one of them, the corporation or the corporations try to terraform both of them, but one of them they kind of um, really messed up with. So I feel like one possible catastrophic ending is to, um, like, you're playing a really dumb character, so you're gonna um, mess up. You're gonna mess up the terraforming um, technology somehow, to where you just kind of destroy the planet or ruin the planet in some way. I'm gonna I take that a lot. step further because I'm I'm committing that my playthrough is going to be the big dumb barbarian playthrough. <laughs> Because in looking at the gameplay, there are melee weapons, and one of them is yes. a really big, heavy-looking hammer. Yes, that was a lot of fun. That speaks to my soul, okay? <laughs> my my theory for the catastrophic ending is probably going to be that you somehow make everyone as stupid as you. <laughs> and you've, like, ruined <laughs> space travel as a concept, and you've made humanity dumber. And then so you, you are sh- there, like, you are their god. You're smarter than they are, and keep in mind, you're probably about as smart as, like, a light pole. <laughs> in the land of the witless, the half-wit is king. Exactly! <laughs> it's gonna, it's just gonna be idiocracy. Yeah, idiocracy. like, yeah. So, yeah, and, like, might makes right, and it's just gonna be, like, I don't know if anybody here has played Far Cry Primal, but it's gonna be, like, back to, like, caveman era. Mm-hmm. How do you make everyone stupid, though? My thought is, like, if we're talking about capitalism, like, marketing is a big factor of capitalism to talk about what we were talking about before. Like, marketing, you know, uh, like, corporations are your friend, Wendy's Twitter feed, etc. Maybe there's some kind of, like, mind control ray or something to where, like, all of these corporations are, like, mind controlling people to believe in their product. And you somehow, like, whip, like, either you intentionally weaponize that or you stupidly weaponize that via your own stupidity against everyone in the universe. <laughs> so everyone just walks around mumbling Baconator and then that's you know that's all they yeah. all they're yeah. capable of. I like the idea of it's a mind control ray, but you're a big stupid barbarian, so you're like, ooh, big gun shooting <laughs> <laughs> everyone with it. You just stick the helmet on and transmit your stupidness to everyone else on the planet. <laughs> I'm on board with that as long as it ends with you and some like like Conan the Barbarian like a, yes. a, you have that yes. final scene where he's he's got his head on his hand and he's just in the on the in the big throne just looking stoic. This sounds like, like a great thing. It really does. <laughs> if they don't do this, I'm gonna be sad. It doesn't sound catastrophic. It sounds like actually like an ending I would want. Because when they said catastrophic ending, I assume they meant something that is just going to be, like, as a player, you're going to hate this ending. Like one of the planets crashes into the other one. Yeah, you're just like, well... I'd well, be- actually, you, you're leading me into my what, my what I think my catastrophic ending is. Okay, So I think we, we've discussed a lot. We have these anti-corporation messages. Um, we have, ultimately, you're going to be fighting this corporation. And depending on what you choose... Depending on what side you fall on, when that battle comes, when it when when it's time for you to make a stand and you have to make a choice, 
I think the catastrophic ending could very well be that you make the wrong decision, then digital rights, digital rights management gets involved, and then the game shuts down, and you can never actually open it to play it again. And that's the catastrophic ending. You've okay, messed up. Is, you've made the wrong decision, and now you'll never play the game again. This is not made by Platinum Games. That is something that Platinum Games would do. <laughs> like, I don't know if Obsidian's willing to go that far, but you've you've 100% given. Um, oh God, what's the what's the guy who's over Platinum? Um, Hideki Kamiya. Is no the the guy who like Yoko Taro. That is 100 oh, yeah. percent something Yoko Taro would do because that's how that's how like the near games go where like it erases your save file at the end of the game. Oh gosh! And like it because it's a commentary on the entire idea of a video game and a save file and like what it means to actually go on this experience. So yeah, I like I like that idea. So now CEO somewhere taking this like oh this is good stuff. Hey, take this down. Gonna, <laughs> if not Outer Worlds, then some game. So the catastrophic yeah. ending of this game is that you revoke your own license to the game. You revoke your own license to the case <laughs> you have bought in so deeply. You've drank the Kool-Aid. Drank from that deep well. And there's no going back. Man, what a middle finger that would be. Like, but <laughs> talk about getting people talking. Like, wow. It'd be a powerful commentary on digital rights and and whether or not you actually own your games or not in this capitalist wasteland. And now this is a different conversation but can you imagine an ending like that in light of what google stadia is saying yeah like oh yeah you don't actually like what freddie said you don't actually own games you own the right to play the games that we have and we can revoke that right anytime we want including if you make the wrong decision in the game <laughs> including if you make the wrong decision. oh man that was dumb done we actually went in and patched the game so if you make the anti-capitalist choice we do that <laughs> if you try to start a revolution your screen just blinks and it goes no and then shuts down it turns out the outer world is actually just a way to get um uh like like collect data on what people think about capitalism oh god oh my gosh okay that's just too scary yeah <laughs> this is facebook this is would actually, like to know your location <laughs> this is actually a case study <laughs> oh my gosh well, you know, I mean, in, in not to get too real world about this, but like, like it, I think it's pretty much already known that like a lot of game companies do that. Like they're collecting data on oh, how yeah. much you play games, like on average, how long the average session is, kind of stuff Absolutely. like that. Oh yeah. How so. many times you romanced your companions in Mass Effect? Oh god. <laughs> All of them. <laughs> they want to know. <laughs> yeah. Tali, Tali Zora for life. Like I'm sorry, but. <laughs> I just want to know what's under that uh, helmet of hers. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, on that remarkable note, I think it's just about, <laughs> we're just about time. So, so all of us here at Possible Spoilers, we just want to take a minute and talk briefly, because one of the things we haven't done is really just sit here and talk about what it is we're doing. Hopefully you figured that out over the past uh, now four episodes. But we just want to take a minute and talk a little bit about what we while we're doing this, and first and foremost, we're doing this to have fun. This is we were having these conversations well before we ever recorded them, and we thought, well, hey, what if we recorded them and put them on the internet for other people to listen to? And so, and first and foremost, at. and laugh at because we <laughs> have fun. We get we're laughing at each other and ourselves. So that's what we wanted to do. So these are we want to talk about stories that we haven't seen, heard, or read yet. So whatever it is we're going to be discussing, we have no clue. So. Whether they're upcoming, whether they're new, or whether they're things none of like 
maybe even old classics that none of us have ever interacted with. Like, I'm going to tell on myself a little bit. I've never watched Citizen Kane. Greatly considered to be the, the best movie ever made. Yeah, I've never so, seen it. I, don't well, either, I, I have it on DVD. I've never watched it. Okay, so that's my point. <laughs> like these great classics, these just, you know, the upper echelon of cinema and art and whatever, even those things are up for grabs on this show because they're stories we haven't seen or read yet. So, I mean, you know, we're not experts. We're just having fun, throwing stuff at the wall. And I won't speak for everyone, but quite frankly, we don't even care really what sticks. We just want to throw it at the wall. Well, it also means that our stuff is still also fun to watch after you've seen whatever it is we're talking about. Absolutely. Uh, because then you can point Lavis for how wrong we are. It'd be really interesting to see, like, uh, those of you that have seen Citizen Kane, to listen to us um, talk about what we think that movie is about. And then <laughs> actually go watch the movie and be like, oh my god. <laughs> like, Because I honestly have no idea. Like, I actually... Well, I have some kind of idea but even that i'm still i still have no idea what that movie is about well i've seen the simpsons parody so i pretty much know (laughs) (laughs) i mean all i know is the rosebud line and i have no context for that at all well i know what it is okay i know what it is yeah spoiler alert you're not you're not allowed in the uh, citizen kane podcast it'll just be me i'll (laughs) (laughs) but yeah so like like you said so come back and like listen again this isn't just for the stuff that's coming up or and just you know listen to this podcast before during and after see how right we were see how wrong we were and just have fun with us as we explore all these different topics yes, and movies and to our podcast three times <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. well i wasn't gonna say it right out we just spent a whole podcast on about capitalism and marketing and i wasn't gonna just straight up say it but there's freddie he's gonna yeah, I'll just say it right out this is a podcast three times also, if you could mail a $50 bill to each of us, that would be wonderful, actually. Yeah. Put in yeah. some earbuds while you sleep. Inject our podcast into your dreams. That's <laughs> <laughs> so cool messaging on what this is all about. So we hope you guys are having fun. We hope you guys are enjoying what you're hearing because we're having a blast recording it. Because, again, like we said, that's really why we're here. If we weren't having fun, we wouldn't be doing this. So every week when we, we sit down to record this, we're all having a blast. So... Really, thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for sharing. Um, I know quite a few people have been already. We even have a listener in Brazil. Uh, if you're listening, hey, how's it going? I made a meme about you on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, you are now famous because this little podcast made a meme about you. So, hey, if, you, if you're listening right now, what's your name? Drop, us, yeah, drop it on Twitter. What is, our, uh, what is our at sign on Twitter, Freddie? It's at Possible Spoils. At Possible Spoils because at Possible Spoilers was too long. Which is really a shame. So, at Possible Spoils. So, check us out. Leave us your name. Let us know you're listening. Let us know if you liked it. Let us know if you didn't like it. Um, we won't care, but you can tell us anyway. And congratulations on earning the best possible ending of this podcast. The best possible <laughs> ending. There's really no catastrophic ending. It's, they're all wonderful. Actually, I've been looking for a call sign that, or a, a, shoot, a sign-off, and that might be it. Oh, man. I think you might have actually found the, oh, this is it. I like it. One more time so we can record it for posterity. Congratulations on earning the best possible ending of this podcast. That's fantastic. Well, guys, tonight we have been talking about The Outer Worlds, uh, this upcoming RPG game. A lot of classic stuff, a lot of new stuff, all kinds of uh, mechanics that we haven't really seen in RPG so far. So it's coming out um, really soon after this podcast does. So listen to this podcast real fast. Uh, Then, as Freddie said, you can listen to it again while you're playing. And then once you finish, listen to it one more time. 
So, but thanks for joining us, and tonight we may or may not have spoiled The Outer Worlds.